This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek Podcast. Today we are going to be reviewing Picard, episode 205, the musically titled Fly Me to the Moon. I love that song, by the way. Uh, but before we do that, we've got some news to cover. And wow, Paramount Plus has been very busy with strange New World character promos. We got how many in the last couple of days? Well, they're putting out two a day this week. We're recording on Wednesday, so we've seen four. By the time you listen to this podcast, there will probably be a hundred, six or eight of them. You know, so right. it it looks like they're going through all the characters so far. We've seen Uhura, La'an, Ortegas, and Hemmer. Yeah, Hemmer just came out like half an hour ago. It, it, may, it might be my favorite yet. I mean, he's, this is the first sense we're getting of this character. He's an Anar, which is the albino, blind Andorians from Enterprise. He's got a bit of personality. It's obvious this is going to be... Well, I mean, it's weird because the show has Spock in it. <laughs> but he's another one of those kind of other alien characters who will make comments right. like, oh, you humans, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like every series needs a Spock, but this one already has one. But that's it's my favorite of the promos that I've seen. I'm intrigued and I want more. And I like his very pointy face. What they're getting across with these is the show has a lighter tone, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, the ship looks great inside and out. The corridors are really gleaming white. The bridge, they've made it look more like the original series. Since I was so Discovery. happy to see that, by the way. I was. I think it looks better. Don't you think it looks better? Yeah. We're getting some hints of Pike's quarters. We were told, you know, there's a kitchen in there. You know, it seems like this like groovy bachelor pad. He's got like a fireplace <laughs> and, you know, so it seems pretty cool where they're going to have, you know, more casual conversations and meetings. In a sense, we've talked about how Discovery now has the lounge. In a sense, Pike's Quarters is the lounge or the 10 forward of the show, I guess. Except you can't just wander in. Probably not. <laughs> it might sort of be more of a replacement for a briefing room or a conference room kind of setting sometimes, which is nice. Because I know those shut like it can be kind of boring sitting in a conference room. Yeah. So this might just give them more to play with when he wants to have certain conversations. It appears that Lon Noonien Singh, and yes, she is related, is going to have a, <laughs> a tragic backstory. She's the sole survivor of something. She has a flashback. So we're going to get a little backstory on her. The thing that the internet was talking the most about was Spock's sideburns, though. Well, you saw them. They're very long and very pointy, almost like the <laughs> handles of something. <laughs> I think that there's just this one shot. And sure, we joined in. We, you know, we got we made some fun of it on Twitter and got lots of likes. But I think it was just an angle. I mean, because other angles, they don't look so drawn on. But there's like this <laughs> one where it just looks like crazy thin pencil weird thing well it looks like one of those hats with the two strings that dangle down on either side but he's pasted it to his face yeah <laughs> so pe people had fun with the sideboards but i think in general fans are looking at these and saying can't wait for may and i'm feeling the same way yeah there's a super cool alien in one of them too that i really like the way that the that the alien looks very different we also got a little bit of an update from Captain Pike himself, Anson Mount. He's promoting his podcast. He did this Instagram thing and he did it after sleeping in because he had been working late on Strange New Worlds. And he was talking about the long hours, but he's having you know, a great time. They were doing location shooting in some place called Peterborough. 
that's like an hour and a half, maybe two hours ish from Toronto. It is a it's it's not a big city, but it is a city. It's like a town. But he seems in great spirits, and he's really loving it. He also said he's seen three actual completed episodes already. Yeah, and didn't Jerry O'Connell say the same thing? Yeah, um, because obviously he's married to Rebecca. Right. Yeah, and Anson was you know being very enthusiastic. He said he had yet to watch episode four. What was interesting is he apparently people love episode four. And he pointedly noted that the network, meaning Paramount Plus, really likes it. And and it's always good to have the people paying for it liking what they're getting. Sure. They're not always famous for having the best taste. But yes, you want them to like it. Fair enough. But they've already ordered another season. So they're obviously into it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And then he he hinted that there might be a premiere in New York for season one. Some kind of event, which I would be very excited to go to. <laughs> yes, I I would have to miss that one. Maybe I'll fly out to New York, but I don't think so. Oh, you should. That would be so fun. Because they haven't done in well, they did a couple of in person events. Now that I, I mean, I went to one a couple in Hollywood, but they weren't like they haven't done a, a proper movie theater premiere since Picard season one. Right. So it would be nice for them to do something like that again, a full on red carpet, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I did the Discovery season two one, and I had the best time. It was really, really great. We got to talk to almost everybody. It was a really fun event. It was great to see it on a big screen. You know, these shows are made to look great on a big screen. They're all gorgeous. And they threw a great party. We have a little bit of movie news, a little snippet, um, Mm -hmm. which is that Chris Pine, who's been talking um, as he's been doing press for other things, says he's met with Matt Shackman, the director of the next star trek movie and he likes him a lot he calls him a super cool guy and very smart but says he still which we knew has not seen a script now he says he knows it exists so like there's you know it's not like there isn't a (laughs) script well we know it exists yeah they just they just haven't shown i mean this isn't unusual so you know you show scripts to actors when they have script approval but these guys don't. They seem to be fine with that. Like Pine continues to say, I'm really looking forward to doing it. It's not clear whether he has signed on the dotted line, but it all feels like they're all moving forward. You know, we don't know the deal about Carl Urban and are they still going to be able to shoot this year with him shooting another thing? There are some hints that they're going to go into pre-production this summer. So Everything's looking good. You know, they're still above the 50%. This is going to happen range, but below 100%, you know, because we have to be, you know, realistic that sometimes these things don't work out. I think the worst case scenario is it gets delayed and isn't a 2023 movie, but it just, you know, the momentum feels like it's there. Yeah, I would agree. Some updates about some events happening. The most important one probably is Mission Chicago, which is next weekend. I'm almost certainly going now. Oh, they have good. they have announced panels for all the shows, all five shows. Showrunners are going to be there for three out of five, which would be Prodigy, Lower Decks, and Strange New Worlds. The rest are just actor panels. No, no, no offense to actors. We love to see the showrunners on these panels. So yeah. Um, but it, that, that's just part of a larger thing. I mean, there's going to be, you know, an Enterprise panel and a DS9 panel. So there's lots of legacy stars going to this thing. They're doing, you know, panels for the comic books and for the video games. And 
because a couple months ago we were looking at this convention and it looked like a ghost town and now it looks like a real convention yeah we kept saying miss in chicago if it happens was how right. we were qualifying it because it really <laughs> felt like nothing was they weren't talking about what the panels would be would be they weren't talking about who was coming and now i mean in the last few weeks there have been so many people added and panels and events and i see a ton of people on social who are planning on going so i'm sure it'll be really fun and there's this like totally weird thing shatner's doing because it's he's shatner so so you could you could buy a photo op with Shatner, you know, and all these other people. But he's also doing this thing where you could go into this little booth and get 3D scanned with him and two people could get in with him and they will 3D print a figurine of you and William Shatner. <laughs> For the low, low price of twelve hundred dollars. Because, you know, up until the $1,200 part, I was like, yeah, you know what? We should all chip in so you can do it. And now I'm like, yeah, no. No. No, what if it was like $50? If it was $50, I would do it. Okay, I admit it. But it's so weird. I mean, you get a bunch weird. of other stuff and you get a video with it. I mean, it's, it's like a whole experience and they give you extra figurines and all sorts of stuff. But it's it's $1,200. Um, <laughs> but it would be a really funny thing to be carrying around in your pocket. So – this will be a news event, so expect things coming out of this, maybe even trailers and other things like that for some of these shows. Mike McMahon has said they're going to show something. The Prodigy people have said they're going to show something. So um, expect stuff to come out of it. There's going to be a, a panel at WonderCon, which is going to be the day this podcast comes out. I'll be there. It's a Picard panel just focusing on makeup, so it's Andy Wershing. Um, Neville Page and James McKinnon. So it'll yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh, but that's it's fun. It's inside baseball stuff, but I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, and the Borg Queen looks amazing. So I would imagine that'll be really fun. James McKinnon had just posted he was working at the uh, Oscars, so he put the, he said he put the beard on Wanda Sykes among other <laughs> things. <laughs> He's very good at his job. He he has yeah. multiple Emmys, right? So no, these are like top of the line people doing amazing work and they're very entertaining and fun and nice too so that's totally worth going to later this year neville's got a book of all his stuff coming out and so mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to that we'll have coverage on that hopefully do an interview with him he's yeah we should get him on the podcast yeah he'd be great yeah he's um, such a nice guy just a little reminder, April 5th is First Contact Day, so, you know, celebrate responsibly. But um, <laughs> And nerdily. And nerdily. Uh, Paramount Plus is releasing the 4K Star Trek The Motion Picture on that day. So we'll probably have a review on the site, and I'm going to do an interview with one of the producers. And we're not going to uh, do a big review on this podcast for that, but the ShuttlePod people are going to be all over it. Brian and Matt are obsessed. Yeah. And don't forget, it's coming to theaters. Brian and I already bought our tickets for May. So it's on sale now, um, the Fathom event thing. So check and see if it's playing at a theater near you because it's worth seeing on the big screen. Would it be a humble brag to say I'm going to see it on Monday in the Paramount lot? Oh, no, that's awesome. But I don't think it's much of a press. Because I was saying it'd be nice if they do these red carpets. But I think this is just going to be Oh yeah, a simple thing. But I'm hoping maybe they do a Q&A or something as well. There is going to be a Q&A with David Fine at uh, Mission Chicago. They're going to do a screening as well. Cool. But more importantly, on First Contact Day, we're expecting Paramount Plus to release or announce or do things. 
uh, through press releases, maybe videos. We think something's coming. And in fact, Terry Metalis of Picard hinted that something's coming on Twitter. And since they're in the middle of season two, you know, they're always promoting season two. So, you know, putting the pieces together, it might be something about season three, which we know he's really excited about because he tweets pictures of the ship all the time. Right. So keep your eye on trekmovie.com on April 5th. Just keep reloading the site constantly and click on all the ads. <laughs> and Yes. And tell all your friends to do the same. <laughs> yes. But, it, but we're saying this purely for your own interest. Right. But no, we will have news and reporting on first contact day on the site. All right. So let's switch to Picard before we talk about 205. Let's talk a little bit about last week's episode. I said on the pod that I was hoping to talk to Kirk Thatcher. I did talk to Kirk Thatcher. So just check out. There's a kind of a how they how the punk on the bus thing came together. And it was just a fun little article we did on the site. And he's he was just so into doing it again. He's, he's a really great guy. We did learn a couple things. He ad-libbed the, his dialogue. His multiple apologies. Yes, his very Canadian-like demeanor. Yes. He, of course, wrote the music, and he got the same guys that did the music for Star Trek Four, who worked in the sound department back together, most of them. So it was a bit of a reunion there. It's a very nice nod and well executed. I mean, the thing that he, something else he said um, was that he, the the part where he sort of grabs his neck as if he almost remembers being neck pinched, which fans, of course, are talking about saying it's proof, it's proof of the timeline and this and that. But he just, he said he just came up with it with Leah Thompson and it was, it wasn't a clue. It wasn't from the writers. It wasn't anything. It was just a moment that they came up with on the spot that actually isn't in the article because he's like he can't really remember it and so this was more a sidebar i had with him so people were obsessed about the why doesn't guinan remember thing now in this same article terry metallis i also talked to him he said a couple things one is that this was all his idea he came up with it before they even wrote the episode um, so it really wasn't because I thought, oh, this is all part of the message of the episode. And I had this right. whole thing planned out. And he's like, no, it was just it just I just thought it would be funny. <laughs> so sometimes a cigar is just a cigar and a cameo <laughs> is just a cameo. Right. I know it's hard with this show because they really are planting a lot of things that do come back. So it's easy to think that that's one of them. But he did say the punk on the bus never met Spock, you know, that, that right. because Star Trek four never happened. And this is what we were talking about last week. And Terry also has kind of confirmed what we were saying last week, which is there is a good reason why Guyna didn't remember Picard. They didn't just forget. You know, it was because that timeline never happened. It ripples backwards and forwards. These are the rules they're using. And that's that. And, and, and I, what I think is interesting is like, for me, it clicked me, you know, once I kind of sorted that out, I understood it. And I think a lot of people, when you explain it to them, but I think it would have been better, or, you know, and I know you agree with this, that it could have been explained in the episode to just kind of nip this in the bud. And because it, it's such a debate amongst fans and it's, it's a pointless debate. Right. Well, so it does make sense when you hear the explanation, but you shouldn't have to read about it on social media. To me, it's, it was the wrong 
choice to not include it. It would have been nice to see Picard because even though, you know, as we were even saying last week, like he's been through this kind of thing before, still it would take him a minute, I think. And I would have liked to have seen him put that together. We needed to hear the explanation in the show. When I said pointless, I mean, they could have avoided this problem. You know, yes. it's not it's not that fans debating things are pointless. It's what we do. It's that this was so easily solvable. And I'm sure that they had discussions when they were putting it together. They must have had their own discussions about it to work it all out and figure out what made sense. You know, sometimes they put too much explanation in, in these shows and sometimes not enough. And this was a not right. enough example. Now, another thing that Metalis said, this is on Twitter, a fan was asking a reasonable question, which is, how are you going to deal with the eugenics wars? And, you know, I often joke that um, reality is not canon, right? Because there's so many things that Star Trek thought was going to happen in the 90s and that, you know, et cetera, that never happened, including the rise of Khan Nooney and Singh and the eugenics wars. And... Yeah, I feel like I would have remembered that if it had happened. Right. Now, there's a great set of books uh, from Greg Cox that tries to kind of say, well, the eugenics wars happened, but we didn't notice it. <laughs> but we'll figure it out later. It's con it's convoluted, but it works. But with, with the what they're going with is maybe the timing was wrong because records were lost during World War III and there was EMPs. And so they are not going to acknowledge that there were eugenics wars in the in the 90s. I mean, Voyager avoided this, Enterprise avoided this cuz they both mm -hmm. had time travel back to this era, you know, and and DS9. So this is kind of everyone sort of punted on this. They're not saying con didn't happen. They're saying, you know, maybe, you know, the timing was wrong, you know. So I think that's fine, but cuz fans are probably going to it really didn't matter last week. But now it sort of does because of the Adam Soon character, I think. Right. Right. And, and that's what everyone's going to think of. The whole time you were watching Picard and Guinan talk, you're thinking, why don't you, why doesn't someone mention, you know, Mark Twain? You know? Right. And this week, I think a lot of people are going, you know, with, with Leah Thompson, which is fun that she shows up. Mm -hmm. We're now talking about the episode. So let's, let's, let, let's just say officially we're now reviewing the episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um but we you know we're in the weeds but it's an interesting point which is you're talking to adam sung he's a geneticist he's a mad scientist obviously you know he wants to do crazy things with genetics and you know so i know the first time i watched this i'm like why doesn't someone mention the eugenics wars because you know he's basically monkeying around with stuff that they know is dangerous but there's kind of but there's no way unlike the time travel thing there's no way for a character to say, you know, Leah Thompson doesn't know that the eugenics wars didn't happen in the 90s. She can't just say that, right? And how would Picard, how would it, maybe it'll come up later? I don't know. You know, like yeah, Picard, I don't know. Where they'll try to retcon the eugenics wars into a later thing um, once Picard, because Picard is not yet aware of Adam Sung and all that stuff. So, right. It'll be yet another person who looks a lot like somebody he already knows. Indeed. Um, <laughs> so let's let's back up to Fly Me to the Moon. And um, do you have some high-level thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, it wasn't a favorite. It might be my least favorite of the season so far. 
And so I felt like there were some, my favorite things were like the Borg Queen and Agnes. I really enjoyed all that stuff. And there were moments and little things along the way that I really liked. But I felt like because they did a lot of scenes where they were cutting back and forth between things, it felt a little disjointed and it was hard to get anchored and stuff because they kept cutting away to a different thing that was going on. And then there was so much action that was very grounded in 2024 LA. And it's, it's, there were moments where it just didn't feel like it had that much resonance. You know what I mean? Like they've rescued him from the, they rescue Rios from the bus. And then I think, well, I hope there's, if there's no more to that story, then I'm not sure why we even had it. There's a lot of exposition in this episode and it feels like a lot of what you're talking about is to kind of create action around these info dumps of exposition. Cause this is the episode where they basically say, okay, this is it. This is what the season's all about. Here's what Q's up to. And here's this other character. You know, we don't have all the answers, but we kind of have a sense of what's going on in this, you know, in LA where the convergence is. We know who the watcher is. We know where she lives. And so we, we got a lot of info on that. But like Rios, Seven and Rafi, what did they accomplish? They beamed down, they did nothing, and they came back. I was thinking about the same exact thing, and I wish they had learned something that was going to be helpful. Because what it feels like is Picard and Gerardi did all the work, yep. all the mission work. And those three just went to L.A. and just sort of caused a bunch of mayhem and came back. So when everyone's back at the end of this episode, you know, they're bringing themselves, but they're not bringing anything to the table for the mission at all, it seems. The only thing that I could think of was that if we're going to see our Dr. Teresa again, which I think we are. Yeah, almost then, certainly. Then Rios has made a connection that's important. And I assume that he has. This episode in general, it's one of those episodes where you need to watch the next one because it feels like it's all a, a big setup for what's to come, especially the way it ends, where they set up this whole heist, which seems really fun, but we don't kind of get the heist episode. I almost feel like they shouldn't have, they should have just put all that in the next episode because we just get a whole bunch of different kinds of episodes mixed together. Because like a, there's like a horror movie thing happening on the ship, which was great. Then we get a little heist episode at the end. We have some weird stuff happening with Q and Sung. Well, both Sung and with where he's he's, he's playing doctor with uh, Rene Picard. Yeah, was... I mean, I mean, that was like a little bit amusing, I guess. But I just think I, I hope that there is something more than Rene has depression and anxiety and Q is preventing her from dealing with it like there has i there has to be something more than that i would hope well i'm wondering like why because she's presented as brilliant and uh, prodigy and recruited by nasa and yet we meet her and she's kind of a mess yep and you know if you were nasa you would never put her behind the wheel of a spaceship the way she's acting well, not, especially with you know three days to go before the mission is it just q messing with their head or is there something else but we definitely know because it all adds up right so she's leaving in three days the divergence is in three days so it's either she gets on that ship or she doesn't right that's the goal in life right right get, get her on the ship because q's trying to talk her out of it in his 
bad Austrian accent is Dr. Freud. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> it's so cliche that they knew they knew they were like leaning into let's just oh, go f- for sure. Know. It yeah. was very broad. I mean, you know, Q's always going to have a little bit of fun even when he's yeah. being serious. But I think that there's something more going on here. This really gets into the weeds, but last week we saw him and her together. This week they are in therapy, whereas she didn't seem to recognize him last week. And the newspaper he was reading last week was from January, but we but it's but it's already April. So I think the scene at the end of last week's episode is a flashback, and that's when he lost his powers. It almost feels like he set something in motion and now he can't control it or get out of it. Like he's stuck in it too, is what right. it feels like. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mystery here because, you know, there's there's no answer to why he's doing all of this. I guess this is the reason it's I mean, there's because it was always supposed to be personal to Picard, but it's not really about him. It's about an ancestor of him. Does that really answer? But it's still what it's about her fear, not his fear. So I'm still not getting that connection. Are you? Yeah, not not yet, because his fear, her fear is so obvious you know like his fear is something that he hides and hers she's wearing it on her sleeve at the moment so what did you think of the whole picard talon storyline they have they have a few scenes together talon's the name of the watcher also a supervisor which was made clear this episode who looks like laris i mean that's i did like his conversation with rafi his non-conversation conversation with rafi about how she looks just like laris but i don't understand why she looks just like laris and i you know i also don't understand why sung's daughter looks just like soji so i have a lot of questions about why people are looking just like other people but the i don't know how i feel about this whole watcher i don't interfere i don't do anything i don't know i don't know what do you think i mean i liked the dynamic that they have one thing is like gary seven she has her own agency you know the way gary seven dealt with kirk she deals with picard she's like i don't follow your orders I'm doing my, this is, this is my mission. So it, I feel like there's going to be times where they're working together, but maybe they're not always going to agree on things. And she's kind of got her own thing going on. She was different than, different than Laris. So I thought that was interesting that she's doing a good job of playing up this different character, why she looks like Laris. Later, I'm going to run a theory by you on, on all of that, but let's let's keep on going before we what well, feeds into my cue is creating things theory but um i you know i like the moment where he looked into her eyes and didn't see the same thing that i guess he's used to seeing with laris the same motion the same soul but i just and i and i love the actress i love orla brady yeah but i i feel like i'm not sure where they're going but i'm not um against it i'm just waiting to see i need to see more the bigger mystery is definitely what's going on with the Adam Sung and with Corey. I think for sure Corey's not a normal girl. I mean, she clearly isn't, but I don't think she's got a mother. Like, I think pretty much he must have made her in a tube somewhere, right? Yeah, because, you know, did my mother like swimming or whatever? And I'm like, mm. Yeah, he, he got real squirrely with <laughs> <Yeah>. the mention of mother. <laughs> 
So yeah, she's definitely, I mean, he loves her, but she's, she's an experiment of some kind. Right. Um, to what end? Maybe she's a, I'm guessing there was a real girl that died and this is the replacement, but it hasn't worked. Like she's a right. clone of a real girl, maybe. But um, she's not an android or anything because we know she has this genetic disorder. Yeah, this doesn't seem to have anything to do with this. It's all about genetics, which is like the Arixun character, which will show up in the 22nd century, who was also a geneticist. Right. Um, so, so for a few centuries, they're into genetics. And then the switch to robotics happens in the 24th century shallow gene pool of the Soong family. Right. But this seems to be somewhere in the middle in a way, because there does seem to be some engineering going on here. Yeah. But he's not a, I mean, I think the, the way they're playing this is he's not a good guy. He is a bad man who does bad things. He's yeah, a, he, he only cares about her and he's contemptuous of everybody else. Well, he does illegal experiments and, you know. You yes. Know. On people who don't know that that's what's <laughs> going to happen to them. Yeah, so you know he lost his license for good reason. Though he does appear to be really smart. For some reason, he has force field or shield technology in the in twenty twenty four. That seems right in some kind of drone. I don't know. Got very interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely curious where all that goes. But it was certainly great to see Brent and Delancey together. I thought that scene was great. Yeah, I like their scene together. I also even liked when he when he got the message and check your 3D printer and all of that. I thought was good. And of course, you know, he he pulls out the Q business card. Um and of course I zoomed in and of course I called the number on it. <laughs> so, uh, I'll just tell everybody just call the number on it. <laughs> yes. If, if you haven't noticed yet, it is get a pencil out 323-634-5667. That is a real phone number. Yes. But their scene, I liked their scene together. I'm obviously a more indication that Q doesn't have any powers is that he needs something from Sung that he can't do himself. I, th I think what they're saying is he is so smart, he could figure out technology and he could cure Corey because he has th this little vial of whatever, you know, so he was able to somehow create that. but. Right. And he still has all of his knowledge. Even in the Next Generation episode, when he lost his powers, he still had all of his knowledge. The Q mystery is still interesting, but the motivation is still unclear. Right. I'm hoping we get into that sooner rather than later. I would like to avoid too much mystery box. And if it's a compelling enough story, then we don't need so much mystery box as like, let's just go ahead and do this. So hopefully they won't hold on to too many things for too long. Yeah, I mean, it would be annoying if it was all re revealed in the last episode. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's not a good model. So, to no one's surprise, we're go we're going back to the queen and Agnes, which is the best part of the episode. Mm -hmm. She's she's obsessed with Agnes for whatever reason, but because she captures the cop, she could have assimilated the cop, but she chose not to. Well, she was using him to get Agnes. That shows how important Agnes is to her. Yes. It was cool to see Agnes not fall for it because she, you know, she, you know, the queen's all super villainy, you know, we're stronger together. She tries to totally turn her to the dark side. No one trying to prey on what she perceives are her vulnerabilities 
And I was very glad Agnes didn't give in to that because I don't want to see, oh, the poor little girl just needs someone to love her. Like, I'm glad they didn't lean too far into that. So she kills the queen, which was pretty brutal. I thought everything on the ship was very intense and kind of gory. You know, the casual mention of the cop's spleen being in a box, you know, I mean, it was all. Well, I was confused by that because then they're dragging him out. And did they put the spleen back in? No. Well, you could live without a spleen, right? For a little while, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he would, it just it seemed ill-advised. But anyway. yeah, I, I'm not a doctor. Um, and it was and it was also just goofy, like just at the moment. This is what, like I was saying, it felt a bit caper-ish. And it's definitely like Picard and the Watcher show up and she says, well, you know, can you trust these people? Oh, I trust these people with my life. They're so responsible. They're so great. And then they're just dragging this cop's body. <laughs> just at that moment <laughs> which was goofy and fun but just felt silly given everything else that was going on i will say that i when the queen was trapping him was luring him in i thought it was smart of her i loved when she went through the different voices to see what would work on the ship i thought that was really good and scary and fun somehow at the same time i liked that she was speaking french because they're in france and i think they should do more of that and then I was disappointed when she switched to English. Yeah, I didn't understand why she talked to the cop in English. Not like to the, yeah, like she should have kept speaking French, which, you know, these shows have a lot of international fans. And so if you're going to do something in France, speak French. And then the French fans get happy and their subtitles anyway. And it just makes sense. And I didn't, it, it seemed weird that she would just start speaking English. So Agnes didn't totally fight off the queen. Because we learned at the end. Yeah. Because we were kind of wondering, what kind of powers does the queen have? Does she still have her nanobots or whatever? It does seem like she has infected Agnes with her Borgness. But Agnes hasn't Borged out. Right. They seem to have merged in an interesting way. And Agnes has some control over it, I think. Yes. Well, she's able to still act like... Agnes. I love this the this the creepy scene with yes. the queen putting her arm around her at the end, you know, which is kind of a vision. So I guess they're like going to be like this weird couple through the rest of the season where the <laughs> queen keeps on appearing in these like weird visions as Agnes struggles with her like dark passenger to use a Dexter reference. The question is did Agnes do this just because they need the queen to get home or did Agnes fall for some of the queen's BS about being stronger together? Right. And how aware is she of what's going on? Well, what do you think? Like, do you think she's falling for it a little bit? I'm tr I'm trying to figure out what her level of awareness is of what's going on because she didn't tell anybody. Right. She didn't say, oh, by the way, <laughs> the queen and I are kind of merged now. How long is she going to be able to pull that off? I mean, they're going to figure something's wrong with her eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for now, she's decided this is a little bit of a, a secret. A little bit of a secret. Just yes. a little, just a tiny little secret. <laughs> that she's got just a little Borg in her. But see, when I look at this part of the story, I'm intrigued and I'm along for the ride and I can't wait to see what's next. And I don't feel that same frustration of like, oh, just tell me. 
you know, like I'm enjoying it and I'm, and I'm willing to go. I feel like things have gotten a little too fragmented, but that's okay now, perhaps because everyone's back together again. Right. And so we're kind of done with all the side missions and everyone kind of going off and doing their own thing. And now we're all together and we're going to go do this caper, which will be fun. And fancy clothes, no less, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's, you know, they tried this last season on Picard to have a let's wear wacky clothes and be capery. And it really didn't work because everything was violent and dark and terrible. This is going to be different, obviously. So we'll see how it goes. But we know everyone's going to get dressed up and go to a fancy party. Well, and our Agnes is already in there in her red right. dress. And her bright lipstick. <laughs> And her big smile that we haven't seen. We haven't even ever seen her, I think, smile and act like that. So here's a theory. This is all a, some kind of simulation. It's all happening in Picard's head. So that's why characters look like each other, but, you know, aren't who we think they are. That would also, because there's something weird that happened in this episode, which we haven't talked about, which is Rafi saw Elnor. Right. And here, so here's what I was wondering about that. I wasn't sure what they were trying to do with that. And so one possibility, obviously, is that they're trying to show that it's Rafi has realized that she's responding because she was being irrational and not wanting to care about the timeline and, and revealing, you know, future tech to people. She didn't care. And Seven kept trying to calm her down. So I thought, well, are they trying to show that that's her moment? Of realizing, oh, yeah, I, I am going too far. Look, I'm unhinged and I need to pull it back and realize where I am. Or was it supposed to be someone who looked like Elnor? Like who was a version? I mean, it wasn't the same actor once they made the switch. I mean, I it could have been a glitch in the Matrix, essentially. Right. The simulation was failing for a moment. Especially, you know, if this simulation is being run by Q and he's losing his powers, you know, or she's just kind of going nuts, you know, because of grief. And she's, you know, Elnor, she's obsessed with the loss of Elnor and therefore she's seeing Elnor. Um, right. Random. Or that was her moment of not doing that anymore. But yeah. I do think the simulation idea, I don't know what in Picard's head because so much is going on that Picard isn't even seeing. Yeah. I mean, that they're all being simulated you know that they're right. all in a simulation you know of right some kind. right or vision you know maybe it's the borg queen is doing it to all of them and that's why she was snaking out her tendrils she was going to run them all through a simulation to show them something so the i'm talking to the borg queen from episode one right. um the hooded borg queen which now is like it's so obvious that that that's Gerardi that it can't be Gerardi because it's like of course it's Gerardi now right that Gerardi becomes a board queen go and then goes through time and kicks this whole thing off I feel like I should go back and re-listen to the voice well because the first theory was it's somehow his mom which doesn't and then there's a it's seven you know there's there are reasonable other theories but Agnes is now kind of the strongest theory because she definitely is borgifying she's art you mm -hmm. know she's she's got a little borg in her now you know how that's just the beginning <laughs> right you know? not like a tiny borg but yeah. some borg yeah exactly <laughs> no and there was something q said to sung 
where he said, I, I highlighted this quote. He said, seems I've taken time for granted as of late, and now she's threatening to abandon me. So he's lost some control there about something. So to me, the simulation idea does make sense and that it's no longer under his control. And the use of the word she may be meaningless or could be a thing, perhaps. Right. He also said the famous quote, I am death, the destroyer of worlds. Right. Um, that was a great scene. And the question is, does it have any more meaning than what it was? I think there is something there for sure. Yeah. I think everything that Q does is very purposeful. Every line. This whole episode is a rich tapestry of interesting moments, but it just doesn't feel like an episode. Yes. I think it'll be really good as part of a binge watch because, you know, they shoot these episodes in pairs, which again is why I think Delancey may be confusing about how many episodes he's in. Right. This is definitely feels like it's paired with the next episode, which I assume is going to be an extended heist episode. It feels like this is part one of a two-parter. And we just haven't seen part two yet. There is such a challenge to doing these serialized shows. And sometimes, and there are ways of doing episodes that still feel like episodes within a serialized story. And they're better at it some weeks than they are in others. Yeah. Episode one and two were fine as standalone. Three, four, and five, they haven't held up as well. And this is probably the least cohesive of the bunch. Right. I had to keep going back and trying to remember, wait, which which happened in this one? Because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has within the larger story a beginning, middle and end of the episode. And it should. Episodes should have beginnings, middles and ends, even in a serialized storyline. You wonder if would things have been better if they did a whole episode in L.A. with just Rafi and Seven and Rios and it was just them having L.A. time travel, fish out of water adventures. I think trying to get everyone to do something in every episode, I think sometimes is good. And But I think for some of these episodes, it might have been better to really focus on Picard and Girardi in one episode and then switch to the other guys and not try to give them all something to do. Because especially in the end, as we were saying, the Rios 7 and Rafi storylines were had some interesting character development, but really weren't part of the main plot anymore. No, and didn't even seem to be planting any major seeds except for possibly that doctor. But there's something you just said that reminded me of something I wanted to bring up, which was the phrase fish out of water. So the fun thing about going into the past is that our futuristic people don't fit in and don't know how things go. And yes, that was a big joke in Star Trek four, but, and it's happened Every time they go back in time in the history of Star Trek, there's always some fun culture clash, things they don't understand, things that we as viewers know that they don't know. We didn't, there's been none of that. There's no fish out of water. Everybody's adapting instantly and beautiful, that beautifully. They comment on society and the negatives of our society, of which there are many, but there's no, they don't seem to have any trouble fitting in with the way that people speak and the way people act. Well, there was some fun stuff in episode three with Seven and Rafi. Picard has yet to interact with anyone from the 21st century who's not an alien or something like an alien, right? So, but what did Seven and Rafi do that was fish out of water? 
like well uh, seven kept on was it so one of them kept on describing uh, taking pictures incorrectly they're using the wrong terminology and oh, I right. think seven was using highly technical phrases and rafi would have to say she means taking a picture you know so there was a little bit of that you know we don't yeah, know a how tiny to, bit i forgot about that there should be more of that but in a weird way because because rios was kind of instantly able to just Mm-hmm. have a rapport with Teresa with everybody but, yeah with, with everybody because he's had the most interaction with 21st century people so far everyone else has not really interacted that much with the locals which makes it a little less fun because that is part of the fun of time travel of going to a, a time that that is familiar to us as viewers we don't have a Dr. Jillian Taylor or a um, Rain Robinson character that has to navigate with these guys and have funny interactions with them and all that. Or kind of even stuff. an Edith Keeler serious one who says, you know, when you say these things, you know, who always who picks up yeah. on this otherworldly sense. Well, Teresa definitely knows there's something weird about Rios. She she just hasn't figured out what it is. And she didn't even appear in this episode. So. No, and she just seems to think he's hiding something, as people do, as she's used to seeing people do. Yeah, but what are the chances that by episode 10, Rios hasn't given her the full I'm from the future story? I think that's inevitable, right? Right. Maybe some kissing. Oh, yeah, that's inevitable, too. (laughs) A girl can hope. (laughs) Do you have anything else for this episode? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. How about you? No, I think I think I'm done, you know. So, ready for the next one. Yep, agreed. All right, so let's wrap things up with our bits of the week. What have you got this week? Mine is Trek adjacent, I would say. It's from the Jimmy Kimmel show. They did a skit on the show with and the premise was Jeff Bezos on Broadway. But the funny <laughs> the funny bit was they had George Takei on playing William Shatner. Um <laughs> Which was great. And as I was watching this, I was thinking of how many layers of Star Trek, because it was about Jeff Bezos, who was in Star Trek. The Jeff Bezos character was played by Jason Alexander, who <laughs> was in Star Trek and is still in Star Trek, because now he's yep. on Prodigy. And you had William Shatner, Star Trek, played by George Takei, Star Trek. It's like, it was all Star Trek. But they never mentioned Star Trek. And what was the point of the sketch? It was about... Jeff Bezos. It was just about Jeff. It was just about Jeff Bezos's giant ego, um, basically, oh. like any you know uh, late night talk show making fun of just Jeff Bezos and his penis shaped you know rockets and all the usual stuff. <laughs> okay, but there was singing and dancing, so I think you might like it. What's your bit of the week? Uh, mine is just a very short tweet from Rick Berman, who said, finally have put a major focus on my memoir about 85 pages in. Hopefully it'll be a fun read. I'll keep you all posted. And the funny thing is, I mean, he's been talking about this for so long. There's an article on Trek movie that where he revealed he was working on a memoir that's dated February 2011. (laughs) So he's been at this for a while. But I am, I'm glad he's working on it. I'm very interested, not just in his Star Trek stuff, which I find pretty fascinating, obviously, but also like he's had a very interesting career. I am forever intrigued by the fact that he worked on one of John Onyoko's avant-garde short 
films, like that he was a PA. And I don't know if people know what this is, but it's called Fly. It was 1970. And it's basically just a house fly crawling around on a naked woman's body. That's the whole movie. I very much am looking forward to it. I suspect it'll be over 50% Star Trek. I mean, he did have a career before Star Trek. That stuff is fascinating. He did some interesting children's television work, mm-hmm. right? Big Blue Marble and a few other things. Yeah. So he's had an interesting career, but he also, you know, there a lot of people hate him. A lot of people love him. But he had such tremendous influence on the Star Trek that we all love, you know, the basic 90s era Star Trek. And, you know, I listen to the Delta Flyers podcast and and Robbie McNeil talks a lot about the things that he had very specific. Rick had very specific ideas about how he wanted things done. Lots of good ideas about how he wanted things done. Maybe some that people don't agree with or that I don't always agree with. But he was very creatively involved. He wasn't a guy in a suit approving things. He was quite involved in a lot of details and and storytelling and choices. So I'm looking forward to reading this, even though he's only 85 pages in. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, it'll be great. And I, I, I hope he's brutally honest mm-hmm. and, you know, tells it as it is and reveals stuff that we haven't heard before. And he's honest with himself and he's honest about Roddenberry and all of it. You know, he has he knows where all the bodies are buried you know and uh, yeah so he should have stories to tell and it'll it should be fascinating and i hope he's willing to look back on his mistakes as well because we know there were some but you know i i think he's humans are complicated creatures i think he's complicated but i think he contributed so much and i would very much like to read what what it was like being him at that time you know, what's the counterfactual of if someone else was at that job in 1989-ish as Gene was fading and he was basically put in charge, there was still so much to go on Star Trek. You know, there were, shows had to be launched, DS9, Voyager, all of that. And, you know, would the franchise be as strong as it is today if it were not for him? I'm not sure you know, it would be. Yeah, um, I don't think it would be. I really don't. But would it have fizzled out as much as it did in the 2000s, if not for him as well? You know, so it it's a fascinating journey, uh, the Rick Berman journey from you right. know, the mid 80s to the mid 2000s. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, so am I. All right. So that's it for another episode of All Access Star Trek. Thank you for joining us again. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>